are more important than ever. That's why Eggland's Best gives you and your family more. That's healthy news for everyone. Only Eggland's Best. Order! Continue, Miss Garner. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. Objection! My credit card doesn't earn double miles on every purchase. I object to your objection. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on every purchase. Order! And right now, earn 100,000 bonus miles when you spend $20,000 in your first year. I don't know it. No further questions, Your Honor. But just one. What's in your wallet? Limited time offer. Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hi, I'm Brooke Burke. Do you ever consider just how important your feet are? They're quite literally the foundation of your body. And if you don't take care of them, you're asking for problems. That's why I wear Skechers' new ArchFit shoes. Skechers teamed up with podiatrists to make a shoe that provides total foot and arch support. They use 20 years of data to design a podiatrist-certified insole that distributes support across the arch no matter what foot type you have, providing extreme comfort. Get Skechers' new ArchFit at a Skechers store near you, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish shoes are sold. Having a job doesn't always mean you can pay the bills. A new report has the numbers to prove it. They need the help because simply they're not making much money in low-wage earning jobs. The Government Accountability Office report says about 70% of adult workers are getting help from Medicaid and are also getting food stamps because even as they work full-time, they can't make ends meet and they do qualify for the help. Democrat Bernie Sanders says it shows the country needs a higher minimum wage. Peter King. CBS News. Want skin that glows? Try eating mangoes, especially those little atulfos. A study from the University of California, Davis, finds women who ate a half a cup of champagne mangoes four times a week for two months straight experienced a 23% decrease in deep wrinkles. Findings confirm fruits and vegetables rich in beta-carotene and antioxidants may delay cell damage. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it time for open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also when you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. Think what you could do with that. But if you join right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fee. So that's another $170 you'll save. And MediShare is really different. It's a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. More than 400,000 people are members, and they've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. So, yes, they can handle your bills, too. This may be the time to make the switch. Join before November 30th for the additional savings. It's so easy to find out more. They're great to talk to. In fact, you can get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. Call 866-88-BIBLE. That's 866-88-BIBLE. 866-88-BIBLE. Stacy Unsinger, COVID survivor. I heard a lot about it, obviously, but nothing prepares you for when you actually get it. I started having trouble breathing. I felt like I was drowning. I went to the hospital and tested positive for coronavirus. My oxygen levels dropped really low. I spent several weeks on the ventilator. It was terrifying. I consider myself lucky to be able to share what happened. We can beat this, but it's going to take everyone doing the right thing every single day. Sponsored by the Ohio Hospital Association. Hey, it's Boots. We'll talk NASCAR, holiday travel, and seven reasons to be thankful for your car. That's AutoSmarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. At Encova Insurance, we're committed to leaving a lasting impression in all communities we serve. We support local causes that mirror the values and interests of our associates, agents, and policyholders. We partner with organizations that are dedicated to improving lives. We are committed to building something greater than ourselves. Encircling our communities with strength and support, we are Encova Insurance. Learn more at Encova.com. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. 
act now. Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Beautiful outside and 50 degrees right now. Wasn't nearly so cold this morning. But of course, just wait a few days and that too will change, right? It's a Friday edition. We wrap up the week. An interesting week it's been, both for our special editions as well as this whole COVID thing. But today, a free-for-all. I'm Dave. Scott's here as well. And um, we got uh, a number of things to go over. First off, um, I have noticed, um, um, what, what do you call it? The, the fuzzy caterpillars, right? Yeah. Willy worms is what some people call them. Okay. That, well, woolly. Woolly worms, willy worms, yeah. either one. Woolly, I can get that because they're fuzzy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, it seems to me, I can't remember how it goes, but over the years on this program, we've talked about, <clears throat> like, uh, if a certain part of them is brown and another part is black and stuff like that, it means that we're going to have a difficult winter or an easy winter, uh, you know, things like that. But I can't remember which way it goes. And most of the ones I've seen here in the last few weeks have been almost all black. Well, it's it's the amount of black on the woolly worm. Uh, it varies proportionately, you know, it, it, but it also will indicate the severity of the coming winter. So which way is it? Does that mean a mild winter or a severe winter? Uh, more severe. Oh, really? With more black, yeah. Now, for... The longer the black bands are, the the longer, colder, snowier, more severe the winter I, I will be. I have two <clears throat> that I came across in the last 24 hours in my yard that had no brown on them whatsoever. So, you know... If that's true, <laughs> we're supposed to have a tough winter, huh? Uh, yeah, if that's if that holds true, if that old folklore holds true, yeah. But I, I remember last year when we had the first significant snowfall. It was overnight of November 11th into the 12th, indicating we were probably going to have 11 to 12 decent snow, significant snows. Oh, there's one of those, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever the day is, yeah. the number of the day, that's how many we'll have. Well, if I remember correctly, I think you only had like four mm. total. So that one didn't hold up very well last year. Now, for years and years, the old far Farmer's Almanac, and there's several different versions, but the, the most original and I guess the only one I would call the official Farmer's Almanac, they would send us each um, early fall a copy of the the one coming up, right? Yeah. The newest copy. And we kept it up here on my right. Oh, we have it? Yeah, it's right there. Oh. So they're still doing it. Yeah. Well, this is terrific. I was about to say it, but in the last year or so, I thought they have stopped doing it. Yeah. Okay, I, so I, now... I referenced that a couple times. Uh, Here's what I want you to do. <laughs> okay. See what they have to say. Is this going to be... Um, well, this is for last year. Oh. This one is for 2020. We need to... So we haven't gotten a new one. Right. We have not gotten it. Now, last year, this map here that I'm looking at, and I think you looked at it a couple times, said 
uh, this area, particularly southeast Ohio, was going to be very wintry. And based on what we had last year from the the information I just mentioned about, you know, the first significant snowfall and only having like three or four of them, it, it did not hold up with the Farmer's Almanac either. So, Mother Nature threw us a curveball, as did Old Man Winter. Well, they teamed up to say, ha, not so. Um, I think this weekend, I've seen them, like, walking through the aisles of different stores on display. Even though um, they've always sent us a complimentary copy. And I suppose one could still show up. Uh, in the past, it's we've had them before this. Yeah, I, that's what I thought, so, too. So, I think I'm going to purchase one. Okay. And bring it in. All right. And we'll see how it holds up. Now. Do the okay. woolly worms bite? I've had people ask me that. Do they bite? I always play with them. Pet they, them they, they do not sting. Yeah. Nor are they poisonous. Right. I played with them as long as I can remember as a kid. <laughs> Along with <laughs> the mercury in your basement? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still have a whole bottle of that. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm not sure where it is, but I I did not discard it. I, it's several different containers. I had in my um, in the home that I grew up in, on 6800 North High Street in Worthington. Which I might add now is ASME's headquarters. The American Federation of State, Municipal, and County Employees, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the basement, I had a chemistry lab. And... When I think of some of the items that were on the shelves there, that today would be considered a no-no, such as mercury. Oh, well. Um, well, anyway, let's see here. I got off track a little bit. Okay. Well, here, here's another thing about the woolly bear worms. You know what they become? Well, butterflies. Yeah, they turn into the Isabella tiger moth. Yeah. You can recognize these moths by their yellowy-orange coloration, black legs, and small black spots on their wings and thorax. They typically emerge in the spring. Now, I have a neighbor, Kelly Miller. And, you know, when we get notices from the Wayne National Forest about this or that or the different trails and things, she is the person who produces all those notices. She's their marketing or public relations type person. She lives about four doors down. Um, you know, and I, I, I like nature. Do I have a lot of knowledge about it? No. Do I know that this kind of uh, caterpillar turns into a tiger moth? Yep. Butterfly or tiger moth? You know, what is the difference between a moth and a tiger and a butterfly? Just simple things like that. I don't know. But I sure like them. I love to watch them. Yeah. All right, we have a caller standing by here. Let me get all my buttons just right. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Hi. Good morning. I've seen one woolly bear, and he was brown. All brown? Yep. See, <laughs> the ones I have in my yard are all black. Well, I will take my brown one <laughs> any day. <laughs> which, for, which portrays a mild winter. Yes, mild weather. And I didn't know they turned into moth. Yeah. That was... Fact of science. I did not know. Do moths and butterflies at some level appear to like the same thing? No. No. No moths are different. 
from okay. butterflies. I don't know what it is, but they're different. Okay. okay. Yeah, well, I'm glad to learn something today. Thank you very much. Supposed <laughs> to learn something new every day. Amen. Thank you, Scott. You are welcome. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm, I'm about to learn about the Ohio State and OSU and, well, that's... That, well, that, well, that doesn't make any sense. Oh. I, you know, the, the sports schedule's here in a minute. Yeah, so. I like that. And please do not stop playing the coach. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know you can hear me laughing all the way out there. The, um, you know, my son thinks it's the dumbest show we're playing. Oh, dear. And he really is ashamed of it. Oh, and I said, Nick, this is fun. Yeah. Well, anyway. Oh. That's the way it goes. I've been rooting around out here since I can't go anywhere. Okay. And I found a tape, a cassette tape of the, <coughs> oh, excuse me, a Coach Art Turf that my brother taped from your original, when you ran it, the original. No and it just, yeah, it just says, Coach Art Turf, I have no idea which episodes, because <laughs> I don't have a cassette player anymore. They, they only produced one season. Yeah. Okay, the show, but the show has been repeated on this, I can't even think what station originated this, but they repeated it for years, and and I pulled it out of our old shelves. Yeah, well. Do you remember Chicken Man? Uh. No, I lived in Miami 40, what, 45 years. Oh, I missed all that. My, like Miami, Florida? Yes. The show was popular there, too. Not not Art Turf, but uh, Chicken Man. No, I didn't catch that one. Okay. If, but I just thought it was kind of really funny that I found this old cassette. Oh, yeah. What are the odds of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he and my brother and I, we shared the same weird sense of humor. <laughs> so, well, you know. That was right up all, well, the whole family, right up our alley. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, you guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Here's the difference between butterflies and moths, all right? Okay. Butterflies tend to fold their wings vertically up over their backs. Moths tend to hold their wings in a tent-like fashion that hides the abdomen. Butterflies are typically larger and have more colorful patterns on their wings. Moths are typically smaller with drab-colored wings. What a description. Drab-colored. And you know their lifespan of those woolly worms? I didn't know this. They can live up to 14 years. What? 14 years. Can you believe Before it? they transcend into uh, the moth thing? Yeah. It says the woolly bear caterpillar's lifespan is up to 14 years, the longest life cycle of any butterfly or moth. Holy cow. I figured they just... Yeah, I thought it was, yeah. One year yeah. they started as the woolly thing and then turned into a butterfly or moth. Now we know now it's moth. And then that was it. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I thought, you know, they'll have... They don't go back and forth, right? I don't think so. I wouldn't think. Okay. They fly around for up to 14 years. I'll be darned. Okay. That is some longevity. Yeah. So, um, let's, let's uh, do some sports updates. Okay. Uh, we have, of course, the Bobcats. We have... The Buckeyes, and I'm talking about Ohio State. We've got the Bengals on the pro level, and um, we've been a network affiliate to the Bengals for years, but now we have an extra reason to be with Joe Burrow. Now, is anybody playing? Yeah, the Buckeyes and Bengals are. Okay, so lay it on me. When? So, here we go. We've got, you know, I just noticed, just thought of something, BBB, Bobcats, Buckeyes, Bengals, mm -hmm. Triple B. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host 
the Indiana Hoosiers, the number nine ranked Indiana Hoosiers. They come into Columbus at 4-0. and Buckeyes are 3-0 and because of the mm-hmm. one game that was canceled mm-hmm. at Maryland. So uh, that could have a be- that this will have a bearing on the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Indiana, uh, as you can tell by that number nine ranking, has really improved their program over the last few years. So they come in at number nine. The Buckeyes ranked at number three. They're playing in the Horseshoe at Ohio Stadium. Uh, that game is at noon. And it is televised on the regular Fox channel. Noon tomorrow. Noon tomorrow. Okay. And we will have uh, live coverage here with Paul Keels Mm -hmm. and his sidekick Jim Lachey. And I believe pregame will start on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM at 1030-ish. An hour and a half before? An hour and a half. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think an hour is enough. But um, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll tell them about that. But in the meantime, we'll do, do yeah. with whatever they do. Bobcats do an hour pregame. Yeah. But uh, the Buckeyes, they go an hour and a half. Okay, Bengals. The Bengals. Joe Burrow and his Cincinnati Bengals travel to the nation's capital city to take on the 2-7 and seven Washington football team. Bengals come in at 2-6-1. and one, And Joe Burrow hurt his ankle last week at Pittsburgh when uh, they uh, – Should have gotten an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, but nothing happened like that. Joe came back limping. He was seen limping uh, the second half, but he says his ankle's fine. He's ready to go. He's a pretty tough kid. One o'clock kickoff, and that game is on uh, CBS. Is that Sunday? Sunday. Sunday at one o'clock. CBS, get it? Yep. Bengals, one o'clock Sunday, CBS. The Buckeyes tomorrow at noon on the regular Fox channel. Bobcats don't play until the 28th. What about our high school gangs? Is uh, is Connor and all our guys, are they done now? I believe so, yeah. The state championships are this weekend, and they were scheduled to be played in Obets at that uh, new area. They've built up their sports complex. However, with uh, Franklin County's uh, notation to the purple level of the pandemic. Uh, they had to move it to Massillon, Paul Brown Tiger Stadium. Is that the one at the uh, Hall of Fame there? No, that's that's in Canton. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, so the state playoff games will be in Massillon. I think Massillon High School actually is one of the teams in the state playoffs, so they'll get to play on their home field. They play Akron Hoban, who is traditionally a powerhouse uh, in Division, I believe, one or two. But uh, Akron Hoban said they're okay with that, and they'll play the games, state championship games this weekend um, in Massillon. All right. Now, while we're talking about really important topics, <clears throat> I had, um, I'm almost ashamed to deal with But you know how heavy I am on statistics and things like that. <laughs> Wait a minute. We got a caller first, and I don't want to call her after this. Good morning. Tiggity-poo. Tiggity-poo. Yes, sir, Don. <laughs> yeah, the uh, high school football playoffs was always in Maslin. Then they moved them to Ohio uh, to the Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And now they're back at Maslin because of the COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but every every playoff, the championship game was played in Maslin for years. Yes, I remember. Yeah, they moved them to Ohio State for a few years. When the Bulldogs played in the state championship, they played right. at, played at Ohio State. They moved them there for a few years and then back to Maslin. Yeah, yeah because I think because of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. It's always colder and snowing up there when we got sunshine and warmth here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wherever yeah. it is, they're going to be. Yeah, and Indiana's scary. Yeah, they are. But guys are in for a rude awakening if they don't come to play. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. The Buckeyes always seem to start off pretty strong in the first quarter. 
Second quarter, pretty good. And Coach Ryan Day mentioned that last week in his post-game press conference about how they got to figure out what is going on in the second half, why they don't keep playing as tough as they do the first half or as aggressive as they do the first half. Well, in, in, in latter years, they always played better in the second half. They started, Buckeyes started out slow, and then the second half they came alive like, well, time to wake up, boys. you got to win this game. <laughs> yeah, I remember those years. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to wish you all hey, thank you. a good day and have a good weekend. Thank Great you, Donnie. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend, too. Okay. All right. Go Mountaineers and go Buckeyes. There you <laughs> go. That's okay. it. <laughs> the, um, okay, so you're going to see real quickly why – this story, I'm sorry, this series of facts, not a story, uh, I really don't want to bring up. And yet I am, okay? So don't tease me too hard as you see me, okay? Um, I think everybody has a certain game that they play and they play it maybe while they're watching TV or they play it while they're just to pass a little bit of time right and it might be on their phone it might be on paper I don't know whatever so I've never done that until 10 years ago, maybe. And what I've become um, accustomed to doing just to pass time once in a while is the game Solitaire, very commonly known. And not some fancy version. I'm just talking about straight Solitaire. Now, I do have it on a very old tablet. When we've gone on vacations, the tablet goes with me. Okay, so September 11th, uh, it, so it, it keeps track of everything. Statistics but not in a meaningful manner. So here it is, November 20th today. But on September 11th, I thought, I wonder if this would be interesting. I guess we'll find out. So, on September 11th, I had played... 11,467 games of solitaire. Good heavens. Not the one day. Yeah. But total. Up to that point. Yeah. I have won 9,338. That is to say my winning streak or winning percentage was 81.4%. Not bad. <clears throat> My loss rate, 18.6. The average time of playing each game was four and one-half minutes. Times 11,000, whatever it was. Now, um, so... How many seconds have I played the game? 3,325,430 seconds. How many minutes? 55,424. This was just as of September 11th. Hours, 924 hours. Think of that. 
days, and we're talking about straight all day, 24-hour days, it would have been 38.49 days. Mercy. That's over a month. Of never going to sleep or anything. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's go a different direction. If you would have done it that way, yeah. If I had... Um, If I had just played it eight hours a day, um, it would have been 107 and a half work days. <laughs> eight hours a day. Yeah. If I had paid myself minimum wage for those days. I have a feeling I have a math error here, and it's higher than it is. But anyway, at this point, uh, on my chart, it says $8,036.46. Now, I'm embarrassed to admit this. <laughs> and yet I did on my live radio show with thousands of people listening. Yeah. I have a feeling you just did admit it to thousands. Yeah, yeah. All over Southeast Ohio and Ohio and even Las Cruces, New Mexico now, yes, now, now yes. knows. Our, as we have a little popular spot of listeners in Las Cruces, <laughs> New Mexico, thanks to streaming these days. Yeah. They said, that guy plays solitaire that much? Yeah, but now bear in mind, folks, this is a really ancient little tablet or pad um and i probably owned it 12 years maybe 10 and in fact the only thing i use it for is is this one stupid game <laughs> okay well let's let's talk about something more serious and that is uh, the update of our covid information so as of 2 o'clock, as we tell you the day before, uh, the figures are often closed out at 2 o'clock Eastern Time. Now in the last 36 hours or so, they've had a little bit of a data glitch, which they're correcting. But uh, there are a, a few things that were um, a little bit incomplete. For example... Wednesday at 2 o'clock, they said we had had 55,624,562 cases worldwide. Well, yesterday, the number was the same. And we know that's not right. And they have notes there saying they're fixing it, okay? Now, um, but on the same report, they had the death rate at 1,253,707 on Wednesday, but Thursday's death rate, 1,338,100. So it's just little, little bits and pieces that they're fixing. It's not everything that's missing. And again, that was worldwide. Okay, so as of 2 o'clock yesterday, here in the United States, uh, we had 11,613,875 cases thus far since this whole thing began. Uh, 250,409 deaths in our nation. Yesterday, the uh, increase from the day before was 28,924 cases. Now, for Ohio and Athens, we have additional information, not just the basics. 
and since they also affect us more personally, um, it, it's nice to have this additional stuff. So here we go. In Ohio, the first case was discovered on March 1st. Remember, we have about 11.7 million people living in our state. So, yesterday, our case number rose to 326,615, which is 7,787 cases more than the day before. Now, active cases, you know, so since this started in March, in what, typical person's sick uh, 30 to 60 days, right? Somewhere in there, yeah. You know, there's, of course, people that have recovered. So, of the 226,000 cases yesterday, um, 216,000 have... Uh, are at home cured or uh, recovered, right? So um, that means active cases were 109,996 yesterday. 4,318 of them required an ICU unit in a hospital. Another 19,242 were in a more regular hospital room. Uh, we believe there are 80,000, which is, um, let's see here. I can't use that stat, that's an error. There were about 80,546 recovering at home. The figure I couldn't use was the percentage. I used, it wasn't, I used the wrong figure to blend it against. So, you know, right now we've got 109, let's call it 110,000 active cases in the state of Ohio. 80,000 recovering at home. Let's do Athens County. I looked at the state figures and for the longest time I had taken the census figures and uh, they had said that we had a population in Athens County of 64,126. But the state is using the figure of 70,777. So I've updated my figures to use that. So the state's estimate of pop people living in Athens County is 70,777. Okay. Uh, as of yesterday, in, in Athens, where our first case was on March 12th, but since March 12th, we have had 1,706 cases. Right now, there are 305 active cases. Um, so 1,388 have recovered. But right now, 305 active cases. 62 are in the hospital, 243 are recovering at home. And very early on we had two deaths and then just three weeks ago we had two additional deaths. So only four deaths in the county of Athens. Now my wonderful friend uh, Grace um, came across some additional information and she hand wrote it all down for me. Now I think this was published, what she was sharing with me. Um, Grace Ward is who I'm speaking of. 
Uh, many of you remember Raleigh. He was a member of our staff for many years uh, in sports, but he also was in the banking industry and everything else around. Good, great guy. You yep. miss him. Yep. Okay, anyway, <clears throat> Ray Swart, and I think this might have been published in the, either the Athens News or the Athens Messenger or both. But I missed it. So, oh, we have a little power bump there. Little glitch. Yeah. The lights flashed. Um, okay, here we go. <clears throat> so, if you take all the zip codes in Athens, and supposedly there are 18 zip codes. Um, so, 45701 is the city of Athens. That being the largest. 34,122 people live in the city of Athens. The cases that were here, 1,286. Um, if you're doing the math, that's 3.77%. The city of Athens represents 48.2% of our county's population. What's next largest? I bet you can guess. Anytime, Scott. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, you thought, you, I thought you were talking to the audience. I'm dying to you, too. Okay. Um, this shouldn't be that hard. I, I don't. The Plains? No, Nelsonville. Nelsonville. Okay. Well, I was on my way up there. <laughs> um, Nelsonville <clears throat> is the second largest community in our county. Theirs is four five seven one four, no, I believe. Four five seven six four. Six four. <coughs> okay, they have nine thousand four hundred and thirty-one people, and they have a hundred and four cases. Next would be Albany. Four five seven one zero. Their zip code. Albany has 5,541 postal residents. They've had 48 cases of COVID or coronavirus. Funny how we've stopped using that term. Mm, yeah. Next largest is Gloucester. Zip code 45732. There are 4,776 residents there. They've had 59 cases. So Albany, a little bit larger, but they've had fewer cases. Gloucester's had more. Next largest community is Coolville, 45223. No, 45723, excuse me. 3,740 people. 22 cases. Then comes the Plains. Where are we? Sixth? I think so. 45780. The Plains lists 3,254 residents. They've had 52 cases. Um... Millfield, 1,745 residents, 16 cases. Guysville, 1,730 people, 9 cases. New Marshfield, 1,382 residents, 13 cases. Amesville, we're going from the largest community to the smallest. I guess you figured that out. Amesville had 1,115 residents. They have had seven cases. Chansey, 1,046 residents, seven cases. Stewart, 824 residents, 
ten cases. Shade, 765 residents, no cases. Jacksonville, 494 people, nine cases. Booktal, 469 people, no cases. Trimble, 343 people, five cases. Now we have four more communities to mention, but we don't know their populations. But uh, Carbondale, which is 45717, for some reason or other, I don't know how many people live there, but they've had seven cases. Hockingport's had none. Little Hawking's had five, and Sharpsburg has had none. We've never had this information before, or at least not, I've not seen it, so I thought it was worth sharing. Yeah, pretty interesting there. Mercy, it is 949. Um, I guess we have to be dumb for a moment. And play art turf, right? We we have to do it. I thought you were going there when you said now on to more important things earlier. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. I N E P G N F Tech Two Four Six Eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. And here we are, fans, in the fourth quarter of the Toilet Bowl football game in Flushing. The Oysters of NF Tech leading Flushing State by a score of 9-7. to seven. Late in the ball game, 37 seconds left. It's fourth down. The Oysters have the ball back on their own 12-yard line, and we have Coach Artur Mike down on the sidelines. Let's see if we can listen in and see what the Oysters' strategy is going to do. Hi, all y'all boys. Listen up. Can't talk to you now. I've been yelling the whole ball game. All we got to do... He's running out this clock. We got ourselves a victory. All right, we're going to punch the ball out of here. Where's Wedgman? Wedgman, where are you? Can't find Wedgman. We got to run as a play. All right, everybody listen up. 82, ABX dig out. We're going to run out the clock. Come on, right, let's go. Time back in on the field. The Oysters are not going into punt formation on fourth down. They're going to run the ball. The quarterback, third and 12, has it. He pitches the ball back to Needles Norgan in the backfield. Norgan running with the ball. Now back to Shorty Summers. Summers cuts to the right. They're about to bring him back. He pitches the ball back to half time. Hines. Hines is going to pitch it back to Norgan. It's going to be a safety. And the ball game is tied at 9-9. And we're going to go into overtime. We'll be back with that overtime period right after we pause for this message. Uh, I apologize. This may be a repeat of the show we aired uh, two days ago. But anyway, it's brought to you as of a service of, um, let's see here. Oh, uh, Bob Evans. There we go. And uh, we'll look here and see if we have a different one. But in the meantime, we need to finish this one. And we're back with you at Flushing for the final conclusion of this toilet bowl football game. The Oysters of NAP Tech. And Flushing State tied 9-9. The Oysters, for some reason, did not punt the ball on fourth down. And Flushing State was able to trap them in the end zone for a safety right on the final play of the game as time expired to send it into overtime. Now NF Tech has lost the toss again, and they'll be kicking off to start the overtime period. Sammy Sidewinder, the kicker, is ready to go. The lines are down. He approaches the ball, and there's the kick. It's a high, twisting in over end kick. Paul Plunger, the ace running back for Flushing State, is going to take it on the 15, moves up to the 20, he's to the 25, gets a block to the 30, moves left to the 35, now to the 40, 45, 50, NF Tech in pursuit, Jeff Gibson misses a tackle on the 35, he's down to the 30, down to the 25, the 20, they're not going to get him, and Plunger goes into the end zone for a touchdown, and this sudden death overtime period has ended. Flushing State has won this toilet bowl football game by a score of 15 to 9. 
Oh, what a tough loss to the Oysters. I, I wonder if we still have the mic down on the sidelines where Coach Art Turf is. Oh, what a heartbreaking loss it was. Coach Turf, if you can hear me, a touchdown run on the opening kickoff of overtime. What a way to lose a ball game. Well, all I can say is, it was a fine ball game. Listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of MX Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. Okay, well, once again, we apologize for that being a repeat. We'll, we'll make sure we don't do that again. But we don't have enough time to uh, do a second show today. All right, let's see here. Today is November uh, 20th, right? Yesterday was the 19th. Yesterday was Great American Smokeout. It was National Play Monopoly Day. It was National Carbonated Beverage with Caffeine Day. And National Rural Health Day. But today is National Absurdity Day. Absurdity. What do you think that means? I think it means uh, that... It is anything absurd will fit into this day. Pretty much speaks for itself. I was reading. Would the election be absurd? Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah. Well, then that works. Uh, National <laughs> Peanut Butter Fudge Day. That sounds all right. And World Children's Day. <clears throat> now, you were reading what? I was reading something about that absurdity day back in 1913, I think it was, when the Postal Service was created that children who fit in the guidelines of weight for delivery were actually delivered or taken by postal service to relatives outside of the area like that. And I thought, that's crazy. They would never get away with something like that today. And even infants, they were sent via U.S. postal carriers as long as they fit underneath the weight mm-hmm. and... You know, they paid for the trip. The infants were sent with insurance on them, too. That's absurd in today's society. I have, um, I brought in a report this morning entitled Safest States in Which to Spend Thanksgiving, right? And, um... Let's see here. We'll just, uh, we're going to really shorten this up. So the safest state, Vermont, never a surprise. Maine, New Hampshire, uh, fourth is New York. That's a little bit of a surprise. Washington, Virginia, Massachusetts, Hawaii is ninth. New Jersey, I'm sorry, Hawaii is eighth. New Jersey is ninth. Where do you think Ohio is? 20th. 16th. That's my standard answer. 16th. (laughs) Now, the least best places to do it? South Dakota, New Mexico, Montana, Missouri, North North Dakota, Mississippi, Nebraska, Iowa. Okay. Let's see here. So uh, they're basing this on COVID stuff. Um, In the number of positive tests the past week. Uh, Another COVID item would be hospitalization during the past week. Lowest share of multi-generational households. Lowest share of online homes. Lowest share, highest share. Of online homes? Mean that I homes. guess so you could um, do FaceTime and stuff like that. Yeah, that don't have the capabilities. Lowest crime rate and fastest DUI fatality, fewest DUI fatalities in motor vehicle crashes around Thanksgiving. So those are some of the things they looked into. But uh, that's enough on that. Um, what's this one? You know, while you're searching there, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you did it or not. 
to greet our listeners for a Friday show? Oh. Did you? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> now we are official. Better late than never. And speaking of being official. Everybody. Watch your body. You know. Sponsored by eBay. I'm Deborah Rodriguez, a giant step toward a coronavirus vaccine. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar tells CBS this morning. Pfizer filing today for emergency use authorization means that FDA will very quickly announce that we'll be scheduling a public advisory committee process of independent experts who will give FDA their best views on the data. Azar expects distribution to health care workers and first responders early next month. The news comes as the U.S. shatters yet another COVID record of 187,000 new cases in a single day. Among the newly infected, Florida Senator Rick Scott. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine hopes to combat a rise in cases in his state with a curfew. A curfew every day for 21 days. We're going to try it for 21 days, see how, how we're doing. Three weeks at 10 p.m., retail establishments need to be closed and people should be home. New Hampshire's Republican Governor Chris Sununu has reversed course and ordered a statewide mask mandate. As for Thanksgiving travel, correspondent Cammie McCormick finds some people not heeding the warnings. So here's kind of weird. I've never seen it this empty. I'm here through the holidays, just quarantining with the family. While many Americans will travel, like those folks at Boston's Logan Airport, it will be a very different holiday for many of us. Curfews are in place. Quarantines required. South Carolina's Governor Henry McMaster. Right now, families and friends are anxious, rightly so, to visit and get back together and celebrate the holidays. This year will be different from others. John O'Grady is a commissioner in Franklin County, Ohio. We have to sacrifice one Thanksgiving to be able to get to the next. President Trump tweeted this morning insisting the election was a hoax. He'll meet with top Republicans from Michigan at the White House today in his bid to overturn the results. Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. All the meetings in the world, though, can't um, take away from the fact that Joe Biden won Michigan by over 150,000 votes. Georgia's Secretary of State says he will certify results of a hand recount in his state today, confirming Joe Biden the winner there. For the first time since the Kennedy administration, an annual defense funding measure is in danger of being held up over Democrats' bid to rename bases that honor Confederate officers. CBS News military analyst Jeff McCausland. I've spoken to a large number of military veterans and have found no one opposed the idea of considering renaming these bases 
after more modern American heroes. President Trump opposes the plan. The Dow is down 101 points in early trading, S&P off 8. This is CBS News. Gifts from eBay say a lot, but don't cost a lot. Get your all-star Air Jordans at not-so-sky-high prices and your rock star dad a Bose soundbar that speaks volumes.